Let me open up with 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I'll heal their land. I had a most unusual past week. I had the opportunity to preach to the preachers of the state of New Mexico. All the churches in New Mexico uh, are not as large as some of our mega churches in the country. But God is working in New Mexico. And the pastors came and we were able to share. And I came back to Houston. Kathy went with me at the invitation uh, to come and to be uh, in Oklahoma City uh, with Stephen Green, the CEO of Hobby Lobby. And one of the most incredible Christians I've met in my lifetime. I have never been around a man so humble, so committed to the Lord, dedicated to what God's doing in these last days, believing it is the last days and that Jesus is coming soon. And I looked at that uh, two square miles of warehouses, 818 wheelers, 33,000 employees. And often as I moved around, uh, as they showed us uh, one of their display areas, uh, we saw all the, the things that talk about the Lord. If you've been in their stores and you know they're closed today, I, I told Stephen, I said, we have a thing at Sagemont. We give gift certificates to all of our guests for Chick-fil-A and for Hobby Lobby, but they're redeemable only on Sunday. <laughs> and he got a big kick out of that, that uh, it wasn't really costing us very much money. But to just sit and listen to how it is very obvious today that Jesus is coming soon. It is very obvious today it's either going to be revival or judgment. It is very obvious today that the signs of the coming of the Lord are very clear and are being fulfilled. There's none left for the future. It is now. Our world is falling apart. Financially, militarily, morally, you just can go on and on with the list. All of those things prophesied in the Holy Scripture that's been thrown aside by many people that play church. Never referring to, thus saith the Lord. Not believing that a person must be born again in order to inherit the kingdom of God. But there are... Ways to recognize, and I'm entitling the message, Recognizing Personal Revival. We cannot speak for others, but we can speak for ourselves. We can know that we know where we stand spiritually in our world and in our generation. We are responsible, first of all, for ourselves. And before we can be a witness to others, there must be a revival within us because we become cold and indifferent and complacent and apathetical. And we're watching church attendances drop. We're watching baptisms drop. We're, uh, uh, missions drop. I mean, just name the field. But the Bible says in the last days there will be a turning away by God's people. But then the end will come. So I want to give you 10 things. A lot of scripture today, and I hope you'll take notes of the scripture. Number one, you can know 
and recognize personal revival in your life if you know that you're saved. Yes, if you know you're saved. Well, I preach, I just don't think anybody can know that you're saved or not. Only God knows. Oh, no. No, God knows and you know. The Bible is very clear to tell us, you shall know that you have eternal life. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you don't know you're redeemed, how are you going to say anything? The Bible teaches us, 1 John 5, 13, listen, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe in the name of the Son of God. How clearer can it be? If I'm talking to you today, and I talk to people almost every week, if not every week, that question, I'm not sure. I hope I am. I really think I am. I'm certainly not what I used to be. But there's still that doubt. And the Bible says, for you to have personal revival, you have to know in whom you have believed, and you are persuaded that he is able to keep that which you have committed unto him against that day. In Romans 10, 13, the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, what does that mean? That means you have to ask for it. You don't get salvation by coming to church. You don't get salvation by being baptized. You don't get salvation by reading religious books. You get salvation by asking the Lord to come into your life, which demands a confession of the fact that you're a sinner and you're lost without Jesus. And so that's an absolute imperative for you to have revival. You must know that you have eternal life. 2 Timothy 1.12 For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know in whom I have believed. Now Paul is speaking to young Timothy. He said, I know in whom I have believed. I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. In order to have personal revival, you've got to know that you know that you're saved. Number two, watch it now. Some of you are going to fall off the wagon right now. If you're saved, you're, you're going to tell your friends that you're saved. You're going to tell them. Well, I just think that's nobody's business. My, oh, no, 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 no. It's your business to tell people you're saved. You say, well, I just don't feel comfortable doing that. Get saved, you'll feel comfortable doing it. Looks like when any, any other good thing happens, you want to tell everybody about it. Well, if Jesus is coming to your heart, why don't we tell somebody? Romans 1.12, here's what Paul wrote to the Romans. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, it's the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. John 4.16, Jesus said unto her, go call your husband to come hither. That's when the salvation woman said, go get your husband. Let's tell him about Jesus. Luke 16, 27. Then he said, I pray you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Where's that coming from? That is a scripture written by a rich man in hell that says, go tell my brothers so that they won't come to this terrible place. You see, when you're saved, you do that kind of thing. You talk about that more than you talk about sports, entertainment, politics, weather. You start talking about Jesus. He's the sweetest name you know, if you know him. And by the way, 
If you're born again, you go back and make restitution to those that you offended before you were saved. Some need to go back and pay back some money you won from another lost person. Some of you need to go back and make things right because before you knew the Lord Jesus, you weren't prepared to give a reason for the hope that is in you. If you've lived very long without the Lord, there's a lot of people you need to go back to and say, forgive me. But a change has taken place in my life. I'm going to be different. I'm going to think different, act different, talk different because Jesus has come into my life. And I just want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I just want to have power that comes only from God. Number three, you'll be baptized. Sagemont Church right now has more than 200 people. We have name, address, phone number, email, and everything else. And there was a day when you said, I want to be born again. I want to be saved. I prayed the sinner's prayer. And the Lord says, repent, you've done that, and be baptized, but you never have. Jesus walked 200 miles to be baptized himself. Jesus never tells us to do something he didn't do. And he didn't go to get sprinkled. We're buried with Christ in baptism unto death and we're raised to walk in newness of life. Saved people want to be baptized because it's just like the wedding ring. It tells others, everybody that watches your baptism, you're saying, I'm not ashamed. And we're applauding and saying, you blessed us because you are doing what we all ought to be doing and that is going public with your faith in Jesus Christ. Acts 16, said he took them the same hour of the night, right after they got saved, washed their stripes, and they were baptized, he and all of his straight way. The entire family came to know the Lord because daddy got saved. Acts 2, 38. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins that you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Anyone that prays a prayer believing they're saved and refuses to be baptized will not have the power of the Holy Spirit on your life because you're being directly disobedient to the Lord Jesus who set the example and says for whosoever can come and those that come will be baptized. Not into the church, but into the kingdom of God that you represent. You're putting on the uniform. You're saying, I am not ashamed to get my hair wet and look funny in front of all those people. I am going to be baptized. Acts 10, 48. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry for certain days. Mark 1, 5, there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. Matthew 20, 23, he said unto them, you shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my father. Here's the way this text will work out. You do what Jesus wants you to do, and God 
will give you the desires of your heart. Jesus teaches us to be baptized. The Father can do what he wants to do with my life and with your life. But when you stop and reject the Son for salvation, you don't get saved. If you reject Jesus' commandment to to be baptized, you're rejecting Jesus in another way, which infuriates the Father. I don't know why he planned it this way. For you to come and sit in my office, you just tell me, preacher, why you think I ought to. I can't, it wouldn't make any difference. I'd try. But the only thing I can give you is the scripture. And the scripture is very clear. Anyone that is a follower of Jesus is to be baptized. If you possibly, possibly can. We've had baptisms take eight people for the baptism due to the physical condition, in wheelchairs, strapped in. Why? Because we made them, oh, no, 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 no. They wanted to be. And we made it happen. Number four. When revival comes in your life, you will have a desire to do right, and, but that's not where it ends. And you'll have the power to do right. See, the reason that a lot of church-going people have no power over sin is because they haven't done the basic. They stopped. They didn't go public with their profession of faith. They weren't baptized. They have not begun to grow in the study of the God's word. And so then they hit something and understand, I don't understand why I can't do this. I don't seem to have any influence on people. I don't seem to have the power to tell them about Jesus and give them the simple plan of salvation. I can't do that. The reason you can't do that is because you have neglected personally to get what you have to have in the power of his might To do what God wants done. Only God can do his work. But he wants to do it through his kids. Not through Christians. Because you signed a paper sometime, somewhere, and became a Christian. John 14, verse 15 says, If you love me, keep my commandments. You have a desire to do right, and you have the power to do it. Is there anything in your life right now that you're doing you wish you could stop? I don't know, this is not confession time. Don't write it down on a card for me. Is there anything in your life right now that you wish you could do differently, but you just can't? It could have to do with morals, it could be what you see how you talk, where you go, what you do, how you think. The question is, why don't you have the power to do it? All power is given to him in heaven and in earth, and that power comes in the life of his kids. And then the Bible says, we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. The power rests in the people of God. The people of God could bring revival to America and the world. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. But the power is not there. The answer is not there. The devil is strong. He goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And you don't kill a lion with a fly swatter. But in the power of his might, under the authority of the Holy Scriptures, 
No weapon that's formed against us shall prosper because this is the inheritance of the children of God. Not the church members. Not those that were raised Christians and went to vacation Bible school. And I think, I can't remember, but I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Well, I'm not positive, but it seems like I got baptized. But I don't think it's that important. You see how it all just keeps on going back? Unless you walk through the whole teaching of the scripture, you get confused very, very quickly. John 15, 10 says, if you keep my commandments, you abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. First John 2, 3, and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. Keep his commandments. Acts 1, 8. But you, if you're a believer, shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you'll be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and in all Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Save people. Take God's word very seriously. 1 Corinthians 1, 18. For the preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that perish. But unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. And 90% of our churches don't use that word anymore. That's the power is in the blood of Jesus. I didn't choose that. You just say, well, if I'd been God, I'd done it different. Well, thank God you're not God. And thank God I'm not God. And all the people said, amen. amen. Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Yeah. Well, I'm just scared of water. You can get over it real quick. Real quick. Before your head ever goes down, there'll be a peace that passes all understanding because you're walking in a way that God wants you to go. Number five, if you are having revival in your life, you have a hunger for the Word of God. You're not looking for religious talk. You're wanting to have a walk with God that comes only through Jesus Christ. He that is in us is greater than he that's in the world. And we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. But we have to have a hunger for the Word of God and to study to show ourselves approved. Unto God, workmen that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If you say, I just don't get anything out of Bible study. In just a few moments, we're going to dismiss here. Dozens of Bible study classes will start. Another worship will start here. A Spanish work of service will start over in the other auditorium. Now, here's what I'm going to ask you. What are you going to do next hour? Well, I just don't think I want to go to Bible study. Why? Today may be in a Bible study class where, where God has a word for you. It wasn't here at this hour, but it's in the next hour. It's waiting. It's waiting. Why don't you stay today? You say, well, I don't think they have room for me. They'll make room. Or not, God will give you the strength to stand up or for somebody to get up and give you their seat. But do it God's way. Do it God's way. 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
God wants us to walk in the light as he is in the light. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even unto the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. During these days, everybody's signing up for a billion-dollar lottery. The chances of winning are almost zero. But whosoever will can come and be saved. If you were going to die today, would you rather win the lottery or know that you know that Jesus Christ lives in your life? What would a billion dollars mean to you today if your doctor says you've got 30 minutes to live? Would you get on the phone, call your bank and make sure that the money's still there? Think about it. Think about it. None of us know what another moment's going to bring. But you know, if Jesus lives in our heart, the gates of pearl, the walls of jasper, the streets of gold, makes these billionaires look like paupers. And it all belongs to God's kids. We're the inheritors in a land that's forever and forever, forever. Number seven, you'll rediscover the power of prayer if you're born again. I don't know why people don't come to prayer meetings. It is a, the lowest attended gathering of any church group. I don't know why. But I do know that when you're walking with God, there is a desire to communicate with him on a regular basis. Amen. Morning, noon, and night. You're always thinking, I'd just like to hear from the Lord right now. I've just had a bad morning. God, speak to my heart. Speak to my heart. Matthew 5, 44 says, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Matthew 6, 9, After this manner, therefore, pray you, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Matthew 26, 41, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Save people are very careful where they go. Save people want to stay in touch with God. Save people want to hear from God. And by the way, praying is two-way. Most of us think praying is telling God how he needs to run things. We know who needs to be president, what the economy needs to happen. We know all about it, so we tell God. I pray for this, I pray for this, I pray for that. How about not my will, but thine be done? What about that kind of prayer? Lord, you're Lord. I want what you want for America. I want what you want for the world. I want what you want for my life. That's what the scripture tells us. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say unto you what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. You act according to his will and he will answer, not any prayer you think up. We think up some of the silliest prayers sometimes. Telling God, God, would you let me do this? Would you let me do that? Would you let me marry this? Would you let me go there? Would you let me have this job? Would you let me do this? Would you do that? That's not the way it works, folks. You just open the door and God pours you out blessing you cannot receive. And you know what? God will give you better than what you desire. If your desire is to be like him. Let him make the decision. Number eight. And here's where the vast majority drop out. If you're really saved... You'll have a love for the church. 
his church, just as Jesus did. There are many people on the rolls of every church you know of that could care less what happens to the church. Zero, zero, zero. They may never come back. They may never give a dime. They'll never do anything to serve. But somehow they believe because they signed a card and was baptized that everything is fine. And God says, why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I tell you to do? Upon the first day of the week, let most of you, some of you, a minority of you, upon the first day of the week, let what? Every one of you lay by in store as God has prospered you. He's talking about offerings to the Lord and the kingdom of God work. 1 Timothy 3.15 But if I tarry long that you may know how you ought to behave yourself in the house of God which is a listen is the church of the living God the pillar and the ground of truth. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 through 29 the scripture says husbands love your wife even as Christ also loved the church. He gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having a spot or a wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. When the Lord spoke those words over in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, when you get home, I hope you just read that whole chapter. But in one special part, these words keep ringing and has put all things under his feet. And gave him to the head over all things in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. You know what the favorite thing of the Lord is and God Almighty? His church. This is his bride. This is what he cares about most. You can rest assured that God doesn't want his church attacked. He wants the church to be his bride. We are to be the body of Christ. We are to represent him. And if we don't represent him out in the public world, we're in trouble. And the church together and individually owe a debt to God that we love his bride, the church. Number nine. If you want to have revival, you'll make yourself available for service in the kingdom of God. If you, if you are a believer, you want to serve in the church somewhere. And there's all kinds of places. We're thinking now of organizing, of bring people, kind of a Christian Uber. We get calls every week. I'd like to come, but I can't drive anymore. Could you pick up somebody two miles from your house, bring them to church? Don't take them to lunch. Not asking you to do that. It's just having to bring them and take them home. Now, they say they'll come. Can you mow grass? Can you stand at the door and hand a piece, person a piece of paper? Or can you preach? Whatever. But God wants us to serve him. Isaiah 6, 8. 
Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. That's when Isaiah was saying, Lord, I'm available. In Matthew 28, 19, 20, it says, Go ye therefore, teach all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And what? Lo, I'll be with you always, even until the end of the world. But go, tell, share, serve, love, visit, give. Teach, preach, sing, do something, do something. And yes, pray, pray, pray without ceasing. Number 10 and finally. When personal revival comes, you and I will love people as Jesus loves them. I am no exception. Neither are you. I find things sneaking in all the time that makes me want to be judgmental about others. I have to be careful about that. I have to be careful, and I think you do too. Jesus loves the world. Whether they're coming towards our borders or not coming towards our borders. Whether they voted on the opposite political party than you did, Jesus loves everybody. But he doesn't want it to be, the number one assembly is not the government. The number one assembly is his church. His church. When we can pray for one another, we can love one another. When we can give, then we can receive. Or if we can receive, then we can give. But that's the church. That's not the government. That's not the culture. That's not society. But that is the church. In John 15... Verse 12 and 13, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And 1 John 2, 9, he that says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness even until now. Jesus loves the world. God loved the world. God gave his son Jesus to the world that whosoever will may be saved. And the fastest growing nations of Christianity are the pagan nations of the days when I was born. There's where the churches are filled. The enemies of our own nation at times are the people in India, China, Vietnam, Korea, They're coming by the thousands. And their churches are filling up while our churches are emptying out. So you just think it over, okay? But here's what I want you to think, and here's all all that I can do and all you can do. Lord, what would you have me to do? I can't control anything but me. And I can't control me without you. And Lord, I just want to be as a little child. Speak, Lord, thy servant hears. Lord, lead me. I will follow. Speak to me. I will listen. Provide for me. Bless me, and I will give. Use me as your church. I want revival in my life. So my question to you is this. When we read those scriptures... 
Where are you spiritually? In your life. As is taught in the scripture. Now I'm asking that question for myself. I cannot answer for you. The question is. Where are you spiritually? In your life as taught in the holy scriptures. Do you give? Do you pray without ceasing? Do you serve? Do you love? Do you forgive? Do you repent? Do you do any of those things? Or do you do all of those things? That's what I have to deal with, and that's what you have to deal with. But if we want to have personal revival, we've got to decrease and him increase and let go and let God have his way. So my final question is this. Can you give God the Father a reason that you today will reject his son Jesus as your Lord and Savior. One more time. Can you give a reason today that God the Father will accept for you rejecting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and crown him King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Do you have a reason that God will accept? Because that's where the judgment will be made. And he said, there's no other name given among men whereby you must be saved than my son Jesus. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. And he's just the same as his holy name.